Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, on our last podcast, our panel discussed Marlowe's admittance that youth can do absurd things. There is great strength in youth, then there are times that youth can generate disaster. Well, now for today's program, the panel is back with me in the studio to give some final thoughts on this short story. So welcome back, Deborah. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. And welcome back, Gabe. Thanks. Excited to be here. Oh, that's good. All right. So so let's, let's just uh, look at this as kind of like an overview discussion of what we think about the, the story. So, uh, you know, last time we were uh, we were talking about Marlowe, and he was in this boat. He wanted to be his own commander. You know, he he wanted to beat everybody in, um, you know, to the to the uh, the port. And of course, he did that. But um, uh, you know, he has a statement there. Well, maybe I'll wait and read that statement later. But. Um, uh, what, what do you think of his first command over the two men? I mean, he, he wanted to have his first big command. He was he was like the captain of this little boat. And how did that work out for him? <laughs> go ahead, Gabe. Well, I guess ultimately uh, they all got mm-hmm. to where they wanted to go, uh, Marlowe and his uh, little crew there. But you can see throughout his little story on um, – being in those little lifeboats that, you know, they get tossed around quite a bit by the sea. um, And, you know, the weather isn't bad and they get knocked about quite a bit, as he mentions here. And, you know, that's not exactly a lot of fun in the sea. And I think he would have been better off to stick with the rest of the group in case just something crazy happened. Because you're out in the middle of the ocean and the ocean is, it's a very powerful um, force. So just to be all alone like that probably wasn't the smartest idea for Marlo, but there was still that just that sense of excitement and uh, youth as he brings out so much and excitement in just leading his own, his first um, command of a little ship. Yes. I, I, to me, it, it really kind of reinforces what, what I've said earlier and when we just first got started about how, you know, it, it may not, things may not work out the way you want. And uh, maybe I'll just read a little quote here to just to back you up there. It says, I need not tell you what it, what it is to be knocking about in an open boat. I remember nights and days of calm when we pulled, we pulled, and the boat seemed to stand still, <laughs> as if bewitched within the circle of the sea horizon. I remember the heat, the deluge of rain squalls and that kept us um, bailing for dear life, but filled out our water cask. So he says, okay, we had to bail the ship all the time, but yet now we had water as well. He says, I remember 16 hours on end with with a mouth dry as a cinder and steering a steering oar over the stern to keep my first command head on to the breaking sea. I did not know how good a man I was till then. <laughs> and so, so he comes back to this all the time. Here he, he wants us to feel sorry for him, but he said, look, 
man, I didn't know what a man I was until all this happened. So. It's like what it's like the worst things that happen is the best because it shows that he overcame them. You know, it's like whatever you bring it on. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like it's the best, it's the worst thing ever, and yet, yeah, he he you know survived it. And he you know it's yeah. it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So so anyway. Uh, he goes on to say, I remember the drawn faces, the dejected figures of my two men. Can you imagine just three men on this ship, <laughs> on a boat? He says, I remember my youth and the feeling that will never come back anymore, the feeling that I could last forever, outlast the sea, the earth, and all men. And But but I think he's being honest here. He says, the deceitful feeling that lures us on to joys, to perils, to love, to vain effort, to death. The triumphant conviction of strength, the heat of life, and the handful of dust. So there, he's actually going back to the book of Genesis, where we know that human beings are created out of the dirt. And uh, he says, the glow in the heart that with every year grows dim, grows cold, grows small, and expires, and expires too soon, too soon before life itself. <laughs> so so it's, it's amazing. He's got all this really positive thing, but now... I, you know, it's like he can remember what he felt like, you know, what twenty some years ago. But now it seems like to me, Marlowe is really full of self pity that he just doesn't have that same drive, you know. So, so go ahead, Gabe. Well, I think there's that, and also I think Conrad here is just maybe giving a little bit of an uh, of an admonition to just like enjoy your youth while you have it, because you go through stages in life and. You know, as a kid, like 10, 12 years old, you're thinking, oh, I'm so excited, I can't wait to drive. And then eventually you get to the age where you can drive. But then you go back, looking back, and all of a sudden, those days of fewer responsibilities and more fun playing outside with your friends, you can't really go back and do that anymore. So I think he's just also just giving a little admonition to really enjoy the different stages of your life at that, while you're in it and to make the most of it. Right. I, I, think, that, I think that's true of the men of that time. You know that they did have these free, free lives for a while, and then then they had to grow up. And but now it seems like no one wants to grow up. <laughs> you know, so so I don't know if if some people today can really relate to these stories. You know, if you you have so many young men that they're still living at home. You know, they play their their uh, computer games. You know, their parents are still taking care of them and feeding them. And so, but but that in some ways, I do think that there is a there is a part of life where you should still remain playful even in your older years and uh you know i'm i'm uh you know i'm not going to give up running i think it's great i think it's fun it's still a challenge um but uh but but i do think right there is is uh he learned that knocking about wasn't so much fun but then he still i think maybe he's looking back on it and saying well, hey, it was that peril that made me really test myself, and so, uh, so I, I do think that's that's uh, you know very much uh, you know a part of all of this, and uh, um, but but still, I think there's parts of this this end of the story where he still feels like like he's really in charge of things, he's really on top of things, and of course we know that he gets he does he does accomplish what he wants he gets back to the port before everybody else and so so you can see that he obviously had you know he obviously had some drive and uh he wanted to beat the other two in and uh he does that he does it very you know very well 
All right. So, so any other comments on uh, his first command? Well, one thing I just overview is um, it's interesting that it doesn't seem like they lost anybody. Did anyone die? No. On the whole trip, you know, and with all the horrible things that happened, <laughs> it's kind of kind of amazing story that no one actually was lost. <laughs> no. <laughs> After all no. that. <laughs> so even Captain Beard survived. Even Captain yeah. Beard survived. And survived. man, yes. man survived. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so okay. So I, I think he's bringing up, you know, Marlo is bringing up the deceitful uh, feelings of youth, and uh, maybe we could talk about this a little bit. You know, what, what are some of the deceitful things that think things that you think, but there can be a self deceit in them. You know, so. Well, one thing I just wanted to mention is is he does, Conrad does use the word uh, romance several times, and and um, the, you know there's a couple different meanings of romance. I mean, I know that there's a romance in the idea of of loving somebody, and I, I do believe you talked about that in terms of he he did have a feeling towards the Judea, but actually he, he treated her like a he, woman. He did yeah. right, and so there's also the idea of of a romance being a heroic adventure based on uh, illusion. That's, so that's actually another kind of romance, is like you think about the about the heroic uh, medieval quests, uh, a quest, you know, it was a chivalrous quest was a romance as well. So he, he, I think he talks several times about, about the Judea and about this whole um, story in terms of, a, of the romance of the adventure but it was but it's based on illusion okay yes yeah i think a lot of people today think romance a romance story is just about you know a big hunky guy yeah right but falling it, for a right but it, but it's actually it's actually also in terms of of adventure as well so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. i i i think mm-hmm. he's definitely it, it, it's almost mm-hmm. like a romance mm-hmm. from that standpoint so i i think right there you know it, when he's uh, when you're talking about the romance, um, the the quote that I just read to you before, it seems to me like he's kind of um, uh, lamenting that he may never get that youth back, and and uh, you know it's it's like he's he's uh, he's losing it or and the the thing is, not not everything in life is good with just youth, and I think that's what what. Uh, what people have to learn today they you know they want to be young i mean look at the whole fashion industry look at the whole you know hair care industry um you know people that get gray hair they want to have it dyed and they want to look young but there's there's a there's a good to life at every stage of life not just your youth and uh you know you can have romance uh you know with a with another person even later in life i mean there are a lot of people who have mates die that they uh you know, they find you know love again with a with a second mate, and uh, you know so so I, I think if you look at now remember Conrad you know is writing this very early in his writing career, and so so I I think you know again you know you're you're reading something from a man from a different age than our age, and so so to me that's what makes that's what makes his writing so so impressive because. You know, there there were things at that time. I think youth did more of. Youth were more challenged. I don't think youth are as challenged today to do things. You know, it's kind of like everything is done for them, and uh, 
you know, where are the where are the opportunities to be heroes? I mean, uh, you know, there's uh, certainly there's wars and things like that, but even the wars today are fought from a computer many most of the time. You know, what what do you have to overcome? You know, if you lose your power, well, that's a problem. You know, get the guy in here to give me my power. So, uh, so, so anyway, you know, I I, I do think that, um, um, but there's still, I think, there's these deceitful things, you know, about youth that that uh, this story does bring out. And it, it again, like we said last time, even about you know Captain Beard and Man is they were considered the old guys, and the, the young guys looked at them as getting older and older and older, but they had the sensibility, and they had, you know, they had the sense, and and like we said, uh, uh, no one died. No one. They didn't lose anybody. You know, everybody made it made it through. So, so I, I, I do think, um, you know, there's that uh, Marlowe is talking about kind of a, a wistfulness of, you know, wishing he could go back, but but he knows he can't go back. You know, so, all right, I've said a lot. What do you think, Gabe? Well, I think there's another uh, deceitful feeling in youth, and that's often that you feel somewhat indestructible. When you're young, you feel like you can do all these um, really tough things and that none of it ever comes back to injury or something and you can just feel like that up until you actually do get injured sometime or you break an arm or something like that you you lose your hair (laughs) or that yeah you lose your eyebrows (laughs) you lose your eyelashes yeah and marlo just brings in a sense brings that up with um the whole story of the ship being blown up and just throughout all these things that have happened in the story yeah yeah so so anyway um the the, th- the thing I guess that that I feel is uh, at the very end of the story then is I, I think the whole point of the story actually co- starts to come back and and essentially you know it, it, it's kind of filtered through the story but but here at the end he begins to talk about what his main goal was the east so so he has I think he has some of the some of the most beautiful writing you know about the whole story um you know you know with with uh you know the east there there is that little interlude here i think that maybe we could talk about a little bit and um um when he when he gets into the port and then this other steamer and again i i think conrad gets his views of the steamer in there this is like page 34 in my book it's it's almost in the last three pages and uh you know he's 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 in the, the in the port he's standing you know on this little boat and the steamer comes by and there's no light on at the at the port and the steamer almost you know drums him just uh, really almost you know tears him out and the captain starts yelling at him he said uh, <laughs> and I, I think it's funny how how Marlowe barks back at him he said um uh, maybe I could start at the top of that page. It says, and then before I could open my lips, the East spoke to me, but it was a, in a Western voice. So, so remember, they they get there, they get to this port. It's it's at night. The the captain comes in, and then um, man comes in. You know, finally, but they're all sunburnt. I mean, they're all you know they're they're back practically, you know, famished, and you know they've had water, but they're sunburnt. 
And here, this is what he wants to do. This is not how he wanted to enter the east, you know, in a little boat. But he enters and he says, Then before I could open my lips, the east spoke to me. But it was in a western voice. A torrent of words was poured into the enigmatical, the fateful silence, outlandish, angry words, mixed with words, even whole sentences of good English. Less strange but even more surprising, the voice swore and cursed violently. It riddled the solemn peace of the bay, by a volley of abuse, it began by calling me pig. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's going to wound his youth right there. And uh, from that crescendo into, into unmentionable adjectives in English, the man up there raged loud in two languages and with a sincerity in his fury that almost convinced me I had in some way sinned against the harmony of the universe. And so that's, that's a total Conrad statement where he can, he can bring in the whole universe if he needs to. He says, I could hardly see him, began to think he would work himself into a fit. Suddenly he ceased, and I could hear him snorting and blowing like a porpoise. (laughs) I said, what steamer is this, pray? A, what's this, and who are you? He says, castaway crew of an English bark burn at sea. We came here tonight. I am the second mate. The captain is in the longboat and wishes to know if he would give us a passage somewhere. And he goes on to say, I say, this is the Celestial from Singapore on her return trip. I'll arrange with your captain in the morning. And I say, did you hear me just now? And he said, I think the whole bay heard you. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, I thought you were a shore boat. Now look here, this infernal lazy scoundrel of a caretaker has gone to sleep again. Curse him. So there's a problem there, you know, with the east. And so so maybe the east, um, you know, wasn't so... Uh, maybe it wasn't, you know, the big dream he thought it was. And so, you know, that can happen to you too. You can put your your heart on something so much and then it just doesn't work out. You know, it's it's not as cool as you as you really thought it was. And so uh he goes on then. He said, So so may I tell my captain you'll take us? I broke in. He says, Yes, I'll take you good night, he said brusquely. So then notice it says that he, he pulled back made fast again to the jetty, and then went to sleep at last. I had faced the silence of the East. I had heard some of its language, but when I opened my eyes again, the silence was as complete as though it had never been broken. I was lying in a flood of light, and the sky had never looked so far or so high before. I opened my eyes and lay without moving. <laughs> and then, notice the scene, and then I saw the men of the East. They were looking at me. The whole length of the jetty was full of people. I saw brown, bronze, yellow faces, the black eyes, the glitter, the color of an eastern crowd. And all these beings stared without a murmur, without a sigh, without a movement. They stared down at the boats, at the sleeping men who at night had come to them from the sea. Nothing moved. The fronds of palms still stood against the sky. Not a branch stirred along the shore. And the brown roofs of hidden houses peeped through the green foliage, through the big leaves that hung shining, and still like leaves forged of heavy metal. This was the east of the ancient navigators, so old, so mysterious, resplendent and somber, living and unchanged, full of danger and promise. And these were the men. I sat up suddenly. A wave of movement passed through the crowd from end to end, passed along the heads, swayed the bodies, ran along the jetty like a ripple on the water, like a breath of wind on a field, and all was still again. I see it now, the wide sweep of the bay, the glittering sands, the wealth of green, infinite and varied, 
The sea blew like a sea of a dream. The crowd of attentive faces, the blaze of vivid color, the water reflecting it all, the curve of the shore, the jetty, the high-sterned outlandish craft floating still, and three boats with tired men from the west sleeping, unconscious of the land and the people and of the violence of sunshine. They slept thrown across the thwarts, curled on bottom boards, in the careless attitudes of death. The head of the old skipper, leaning back in the stern of the longboat, had fallen on his breast, and he looked as though he would never wake. Farther out, old man's face was upturned to the sky with the long white beard spread out on his breast, as though he had been shot where he had sat at the tiller, and a man in all the heap in the bowels of the boat slept with both arms, embracing the stern head with his cheek laid on the gunwale. The east looked at them without a sound. So he sees all these people. They are so bored. They're tired. They want to have nothing to do with the East. They could care less. But notice what he says himself. He says, but for me, all the East is contained in that vision of my, what? Youth. He says, it's all in that moment. When I opened my young eyes on it, I came upon it from a tussle with the sea, and I was young. And I saw it looking at me. And this is all that is left of it. Only a moment, a moment of strength, of romance, of glamour, of youth. A flick of sunshine upon a strange shore. The time to remember, the time for a sigh, and goodbye night, goodbye. He drank. <laughs> Look, he brings up all the words romance and glamour. He brings up all the things about strength. But, but it's almost, I look at this as he's saying, well, I finally got here. I didn't get here the way I intended. And, you know, here, here's the East. It's absolutely beautiful. But now he's looking back at it from his old age. And there's other things that have come up now in his life. So, so you know, he, he made it to the East. But really, was it worth all the effort? You know, was it worth everything that he, was, he needed to do? Notice it says he drank. You know, he, he takes a drink. So this is Marlowe taking a drink, and the other three guys are looking at him. So, I don't know. To me, it, I I think I disagree with you there. Oh, <laughs> I, I think that he really finally he really did. It's a fondness. He has a fondness for this memory. You know, a memory of the first time. Now, maybe after you've been there more often, but it seems like he really, he really, he did love the East, and and it was you know the first time he saw it. There's something. You know, so there's something you've been looking forward to seeing, and you and when you really do see it, sometimes it's it's a memory you have because it's special. So I I I believe that he really that that it's a he has a fondness for that. He remembers it, and and um, he says, ah, the good old time, the good old time, youth in the sea, glamour in the sea, the good strong sea, the salt bitter sea that could whisper to you and roar at you and knock your breath out of you. So. Um, I, I, this is I, this story in some way. I mean, he's talking about the folly of youth, but he also is kind of wistful about remembering those, you know, those emotions. So. All right. So, what what is the most important to him there? Is it his youth or is it the sea? I don't know. I, I both. I think. And you then think they're equal. I don't know. I well, I don't know. All right. <laughs> I have my ideas. I'm. Not. I'm afraid okay. to say now because I'll get attacked. Here. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Gabe. I think going back to it, I think he's, to him still, it's the youth. 
that is the most important thing to him, not necessarily the C in this. It's the youth that he's experienced it, and the C is just there. It's He gives it some respect here, but it's also like a challenge to be conquered, I think, as he sees the C in this story. Okay. So in some ways, I think we could say, and I think you would all agree with me, that the sea aids his youth just like the Judea did. You know, it's like the, the, all these experiences he had, it's like the, the, the sea was the, the platform where he could really experience all of this. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I can remember certain things, you know, from my youth that I still have fond, fond memories of. And I remember, um, you know, when I graduated from high school, um, you know, we, I grew up in Johnstown. It's just a small town, really. And then I had a sister who lived in Pittsburgh, which was a big town, but it's still not as big as New York. It's still not as big as Manhattan. And I remember I hadn't really been in downtown Pittsburgh, and I was, I was just, like, looking up and seeing all that. Now, I, I can remember that, um, you know, in my youth. When I was young, I can remember that as being fond of that. But then since that time, I had been really to, to major cities all over the world. I'd been to Paris. I'd been to New York. You know, you'd, you'd been around, been uh, in major cities in Canada. Um, you know, I've been major cities in Australia. Um, and so so some of that does get diminished. But it, but it seems like to to Conrad is that that he connects the youth, the sea, and the east all together, and it's 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 that youth just made this all, I guess, more exciting. So, so hopefully, I'm not contradicting myself. No, I, and hopefully, it's okay that I have a different opinion. So. Oh well, you're allowed. To, well, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so uh, before I make my final statement, so what do you? What do you think the whole point of the story is? What what is what does Conrad want let's say you to take to take out of this book? Why why did he write it? And obviously it is read in you know high schools all over the country. So what's the what's the main takeaway for young people from this book? Or I should say the short story. Well, I think you'd be careful of the of the he talks very that very last sentence is is um um that um talking about about deceptions you know that I think you should read the last paragraph says we all nodded at him he's talking about the people he's with when he's talking mm-hmm. to them the older people about the man of finance the man of, man of finance the man of accounts the man of law and because he says you know you regret that that feeling of their strength basically is what you're saying and they and they nodded at at him i like this over the polished table that like a still sheet of brown water reflected our faces i like that picture that they're right. over a brown table so it's still the idea of water um lined wrinkled our faces marked by toil by deceptions by success by love our weary eyes looking still always looking looking anxiously for something out of life that while it is expected is already gone has passed unseen in a sigh and a flash together with the youth with the strength with the romance of illusions so he's saying that that 
I, in some ways, I think he's he's sad, like you said, like they're wistful. They're they're wishing to have more of that romance of evolutions because life, you know, happens basically, and it's not like what you imagined. Right, right. So okay, so but 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 notice there he's he starts focusing on again. It seems like they're, they're I'd imagine they're all like in their early forties, but it sounds like it's like they're ready for their you know the grave. <laughs> you know, I don't. I certainly don't feel that way. You know, it, it does seem like they're sad. I, yeah. you know, it, it does seem that way. Yeah, yeah. But but notice he also says has passed unseen in a sigh and a flash together with the youth. So so I do think uh, one one of the things that maybe we could say to all the youth out there is, and I think even Gay brought this up a little bit. Enjoy your youth when you can, and then. Uh, but realize it has to pass. I mean, you have to go beyond your youth. And, um, you know, the other thing is that it, you're not going to be, you know, maybe feel as strong and energetic, but you can maintain that. It's not that you have to let it go. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people that do great things all the way into their 90s, and they do exciting things. And so... so uh, Maybe the the underlying thing that we want to leave everybody with is, you know, you don't want to necessarily worship your youth, but then you have to stay. Maybe the the whole point is you need to stay youthful in your thinking and still look forward to new challenges and new things. Maybe we could end it that way. So, do you have any other comments? Any either of you? No. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today's program. So next time, we will begin our discussion of Joseph Conrad's novella, Heart of Darkness. And we will be, uh, we'll be having the panel. We will also be having some new people come on. So now you can buy Heart of Darkness at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. You may be able to also find a copy in your local bookstore. Of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.